warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Britannia, a very British podcast about very British movies, with just a hint of professionalism. Look, oh, look at that. What a, what a start. A hint of professionalism. <laughs> Morning, Scott. Morning, Tony. My dear friend over there, over Skype again because of the situation. Who knows how long this is going to go on for? Who knows when this episode's going out? We, had, we spoke at length over the last few episodes about the great oh. work you're doing, so we won't dwell on that, mate. Suffice to say... Keep doing it, my friend. Keep doing it. Today's movie was inspired by a review we did a few episodes back, I think, when you and I were joined by Stephen to review Dunkirk. Yes. The John Mills Dunkirk, wasn't it? I think I mentioned at the time that this would probably make a good companion piece to it as it sort of deals with the build-up to Dunkirk and the politics that were going on at the time. You haven't seen this up until, well, literally about an hour ago. Yes, so I was going to watch it last night, but um, unfortunately, um, technology failed me until about five o'clock this morning. <laughs> so um, here we are now, thankfully. I didn't even think this was going to be happening, but we're here. Excellent. We're live. <laughs> Almost, um, yeah. So you... Day 364 of lockdown. In the Big Brother house, yeah. In the Big Brother house, that's it. <laughs> so your, your thoughts are going to be pretty fresh then, because you've literally just finish watching this have you, have you actually absorbed it have you taken it all in you know what you want to say over the next sort of 35 40 minutes or so do you, i don't actually want to say there's not a great deal i want to say to it because it's quite <laughs> well documented isn't it it's it's an awkward one for me this one um i had sort of mixed feelings on this film mm. because you i've heard a lot of the speeches I've, obviously i watch quite a lot of war stuff anyway mm. um on documentaries and whatnot so I sort of had an inkling what was going on. There was one or two things that were a surprise to me, and they're the things I'm going to focus on. Okay. Um, but the speeches and the, all the politics and whatnot, I'm going to try and steer clear of because, you know, just, you can Google that any time of the day, okay. really. I mean, did you were you aware of, like, the, sort of the political sort of intrigue that was going on at the, at the time? Or was it just for you? It was just Churchill was in the background just steering everything? I knew that he had a bit of a rough time to start with. Yeah, okay. I didn't understand the um the king's involvement to begin with i thought the king was supportive from the get-go ah right well i'll explain that sort of part of it to you as we get to it yeah um it's the newest movie that we've covered so far i mean up to this point i think legend was our newest most recent movie wasn't it the tom hardy yeah it's 2017 um yeah, no, I, I didn't realise. Yeah, three years in, in my mind. I only watched this last summer at the cinema, but it was three years ago. Um, Darkest Hour, starring Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill in an Oscar-winning performance. There's a bit of controversy over this. There's a fifty-fifty split, as you know, the general consensus is: is it a good movie? Is it a really crap movie? I'll talk about that with you as well. Give you some of the background to 
what people are thinking about this movie because there's some people uh, that absolutely hate this. Mm. Um, and it's people we know, and, and he won't mm. and he won't mind us mentioning it because he's quite well documented his hatred for this movie. So, what we'll do? Let's take the briefest of breaks with the trailer, and we'll be back after this. Let them see your true qualities. My poor judgment. Your sense of humour. Ho, ho, ho. Your Majesty. Mr. Churchill. I invite you to take up the position of Prime Minister. She's an actor in love with the sound of his own voice. You need to reply to the Lord Privy Seal. I am sealed in the Privy. I can only deal with one shit at a time. <laughs> a bottle of champagne for lunch, another one at dinner. Here's to not buggering it up. Not buggering it up! We are looking at the collapse of Western Europe in the next few days. You ask what is our aim? Victory at all costs! You're suggesting we're somehow winning. We're not. Is it true we're in full retreat? All our forces are now in Dunkirk, where we cannot reach them. They're pushing us into the sea. There is a question of peace talks between ourselves and Germany. Europe is still... Europe is lost. No child. You have the full weight of the world on your shoulders. How many men will survive? Go to the people. Tell them the truth. We must rouse to an heroic resistance. There's nothing patriotic in fighting to the end. Now is the time to negotiate. When will the lesson be learned? You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. I take full responsibility. Really? Really, yes, sir. It is the reason I sit in this chair. Be yourself. Myself. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing ground. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender! For without victory, there can be no survival. Darkest Hour, released in the UK, 2017, as we said. Directed by Joe Wright, starring Gary Oldman, Lily James, Christine Scott Thomas. In May 1940, the fate of World War II hangs on Winston Churchill, who must decide whether to negotiate with Adolf Hitler or fight on, knowing that it could mean the end of the British Empire. Before before we start, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but before we get onto what we think of the movie... As I say, it's it's sort of a 50-50 split amongst critics and general public. I, I think there's a lot of love for this movie, but there's also a lot of disbelief some of the poetic licence that's been taken. A good indication of the, the general consensus is it's got 7.4 on IMDb, which is usually a good indicator of what Joe Public thinks. And, and they're not always right as we've, we've learned from IMDb ratings many, many times. 
Can you just give me your initial reaction? Having watched it literally an hour or two ago, liked it, loved it, hated it, thought it was okay sort of thing. I'm on the fence. Ooh. I am on the fence with this. Um, I wanted to like it. Yep. I wanted to love it, in fact. Mm. Um, but after watching it, I don't. Interesting, because I thought you would have been... That sharping take a breath there from Scott yeah. said it all. Being a war movie, being something you're a little bit passionate about, the history side of things, I thought you'd have got into this. I'll let you into a secret as well. I saw this at the cinema, as I say, two and a half years ago, three years ago, whenever it was. Mm. And at the time, I loved it. I just let all the inconsistencies and the rubbish in this movie sort of pass over me, and I got swept away with the whole sort of jingoism, the stirring sort of patriotism and the, yeah, Winston Churchill kicking ass sort of thing. But then reading reviews since and hearing other people's comments, including good friends of ours, for instance, Charlie, who can't stand this movie, and then watching it again for the first time since the cinema. I watched it last night. But my my thoughts on this have gone down. Yeah. I mean, love or hate the man, the um, the film should have followed history. You know, this happened. This 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 is not made up. This all happened. There should be no poetic license. There's a I'm lot afraid. of poetic license in this, mate. There, there is, is. <laughs> and and I think that's where they've gone wrong. They've tried to dramatise it, and it's not a drama film. It really isn't a drama film. It is a war history film that is it do you know what it's sort of i don't know if the bbc were involved in this but it reminded me of one of those made for bbc movies that's got mm. a bit of a budget and it's very stylized it it does come across as quite um not i wouldn't say low cost but like you say budget wise mm. um and that is one thing i want to find out actually if they actually use churchill's war rooms um because they all look quite convincing yeah, I mean, some of the locations, you, you can tell they've, they've spent the money on this. You know, this is this is pure Oscar bait material. This this movie was designed to win Oscars, which Gary Oldman did. Mm. Um, and you can't deny his performance. We're not saying that, you know, that, I think that is the strongest part. Oh, he's not a bad actor. No, and, and I think it's a very good depiction of Winston Churchill. When you see some of the others, you know, that have played Churchill in different movies, and it's like, oh, that's not right. This one, I think they've really gone to town and made the effort with, you know, particularly the makeup, the mannerisms, that sort of thing. Um, but I know there, there were things I say that this, um, you can spot the budget and the stylized things. Did you notice there was a lot of sort of aerial shots of the camera either focusing on people's faces and then shooting up like thousands of feet into the air? Like, for example, the bit at Calais. It's very Hollywood, isn't it? Yeah, or there's a bit where. I think it's Belgium and it's an aerial view as if it's in an aircraft or a bomber or something like that. And then the camera goes down to focus in on what's going on on the ground. So, you know, they've used CGI and lots of technical effects. And I don't think that was necessary. There's plenty of footage out there they could have actually used. They, they did at the beginning. They were using some of the original war photos. Or make it more realistic rather than this stylized, you know, because that bit of Calais where, the, you know, the commander of whoever the forces were there... And he's looking up at the sky for what seemed like minutes as the camera yeah. just pans up and up and up and up and up. You know? <laughs> so it's, it, it was made for the masses, this movie, wasn't it? It was, it was made to win Oscars. It was made to get an audience. And it's I think that's twisted. where it went wrong. I think that's where it, it, it lost its um, effect on people. 
Mm. I really do. Um, it's little things for me, like when they're not focusing on church, we're actually reading the stuff out, they're listening to the radio broadcast, like The King and yeah. Churchill's Wife. Mm. Why not use the actual speeches that have been recorded? I just, I, I, it's little things like that, little attention to detail. I'd use the original stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, but it's it, because it's been made like a Hollywood film. It is a drama at the end of the day. This is the thing; it's mm. supposed to be a drama. So they're reenacting. That's why they're not using the original material. Otherwise, it would have been a documentary. That's you know the reason behind that. Just go back to Dunkirk. Am I right in thinking you you love the John Mills movie but couldn't stand the Christopher Nolan version of events? Yeah, I hated the Christopher Nolan one, but because they literally put a few names in there just to. Make it appeal to the masses again. Do you think this is what's happened here? Because you're not a massive fan of Hollywood. You love your British movies. You, you yeah. think this has just been sort of taken over by the big bucks and, and just become almost like an extended soap opera episode? It's completely sideswiped what it's all actually about, okay. really. And I think when it when it comes down to things like this, you've got to be very, very careful how you meddle with things. And that was another thing that annoyed me mm. with the new Dunkirk you you can't play around with history too much, especially what was um, on the line for us as a country. Well, you think um, about it as well for for sort of this generation of kids. This may be their only interaction with any sort of piece of history at this point, and this will be their version of events. You know, it doesn't get taught to the, the degree that it was when I was a kid. No, and it's like, oh yeah, this is that Winston Churchill film. This must be right. This must be accurate. This is what happened. And I think that's another danger. It's quite a watered-down version of what actually happened, and then people are not going to get the right information. Do you know what? I don't um, think it was actually watered down. And that's why they should mm. be portraying it exactly how it was, because if mm. that is the younger generation's view on it, it needs to be right. Yeah. I don't think it was watered down. I think in a lot of cases it was beefed up to, you know, to heighten the dramatic effect of some of this stuff, because when you read what actually went on, one particular example... We will talk about the underground and the tube in a second. But one particular mm-hmm. example, right before the end, before he goes back into the commons to give the big speech about we will fight them on the beaches, okay, he's, he's walking through the commons and he says, right, I'm going to have a, a, a little meeting in, the, in my offices, please come along. And, I will give, and he talks about this, they will choke on their own blood speech. That actually happened. But mm. it was it was done in a side room with like just half a dozen cabinet members or something like that. And instead of everybody, you know, when they all like well, started cheering in this little room, the, the, the actual reports were well, it was more of a murmur of approval. You know, it was just oh, well done, Winston. Yes, yes, well done. We'll do that. It's it's all beefed up. It's 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 to get. It, you can see why it's this Hollywood movie. It's it's designed to lift your spirits, to get your emotions going, to punch you in the gut if need be. And, and it certainly does that. You you do feel a bit roused, don't you, when all this sort of stuff happens? Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's no denying that. It, like you say, it, it served a purpose for their for their money making scheme more than anything. <laughs> he needed to make money. It, it was there to win awards, and that's what it's done. And no one can deny that. But for me, it just doesn't seem right. I much prefer it to be spot on accuracy when it comes to things like this i think it's upset you a little bit hasn't it it has things it has like, things like i mean this get to dunkirk is <laughs> a bit different because that was soldiers personal views on it it was their own little war whereas things like this involved the whole nation and that's where it differs i mean you can have a little bit more poetic license for things like um 
Dunkirk and other war films in which we serve. Mm-hmm. Um, 633 Squadron, because it was the, the personal war everyone was fighting, wasn't it? It wasn't broadcast as such. Obviously, everyone knew about Dunkirk, everyone knew about the 633 Squadron, but it wasn't really written up that much about the individuals. So there's a bit more of a leeway. But with this, I don't think there was, and that's what's ruined it for me. Yeah, I mean, the focus is Gary Oldman. That's of course it is. But almost in a way that the focus... So the glue holding it all together is the Lily James character, the secretary as well, who's pretty much unnecessary in this movie. At one point, I thought the, the whole film was going to end up focusing on her. Yeah, it, it sort of it begins with her. Mm. Um, she was a real character. You know, she she actually existed, that secretary. But again, poetic license. She was, I think, Canadian or New Zealand or something like that she came from. And... She didn't actually start working for Churchill until about a year after these events took place, if, if you're going to be really accurate about these things. So they've really taken some sort of liberties with with the truth and what actually... But that happens in a, a thousand different Hollywood films, mate. We know that. You know, if if a Hollywood movie was to be an accurate depiction all the time, movies would be incredibly boring. Yeah. You know, because real life is not that exciting, (laughs) generally. Um, And you can see why they've done it. But visually, it looks okay, apart from, like I say, sometimes it just goes a little bit too far with the special effects side of things and the the camera angles. I think, yeah, sometimes the CGI can go to a point where it makes it a bit tacky. Yeah, and I think that's what happened in Dunkirk as well, where you could actually spot that sometimes with the... um, Spitfire scenes, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's a good-looking film, all right? We know they've spent the money on it. You're like me. You like... You're very picky about, you know, accurate historical depictions of what was going on. You mentioned the war rooms, but I think they went to a great effort with everything else, didn't they? With cars and backgrounds and things going on and the clothes and, you know, the historical accuracy of, you know, the little bits and pieces that we normally look out for. Oh, in terms of the props, yeah, I, I think they've got it pretty much spot on. Mm. Um, I've, like we've already mentioned, the CGI bits, they messed it up a little bit. Um, they sort of take the shine off of some of it. But yeah, the vehicles, you've got the, the street scenes. Uh, I think that was stylized. a little bit over the top when he was driving down the road and you've got the nuns reading, all the people wandering around. I don't think it would have actually been like that. Well, it that. wouldn't have been, would it? That's the thing. It was all slow motion. There's the three kids in the Hitler masks running yeah. up to the car. And it's all like, yeah, okay. All a bit of a cliche, you would, know. It would have been yeah. just general people going about their business. Yeah, but it's still it's still the phony war, isn't it, at this point? You remember we we've, we've spoke about this before, didn't we, that that period from September 39 up until this sort of time now, the British public weren't aware what was going on. And that is actually mentioned in the movie, isn't it? Because the Lily James character says, we're not told anything. And he takes yeah. her, and he takes her into the mat room. What she's being used is, um, is a representation of the British public. Yeah. She, she, she doesn't know what's going on. And that thing about her brother being in, in Dunkirk at the time as well. Again, that was rubbish. Her brother wasn't at Dunkirk in real life. But they're using... Certain characters to become a combination of different people, I think. I think that's how they've done it. Yeah. She's representing the public. Um, Certain politicians are representing the whole party as a whole or, you know, a group of politicians. This bit with the king, 
You're saying you didn't understand the King's involvement so much? Not from the beginning. I, I didn't realise how opposed the King was to having Churchill as um, Prime Minister. What I could gather from the movie was that Lord Halifax, who I think was the Foreign Secretary, was going to replace Chamberlain. He was he was the popular choice to replace mm. Chamberlain. He didn't want to take over. Mm. He actually said, didn't he, there was this dinner, this grand sort of dinner where Chamberlain announced he's going to, you know, step down the following day. And everybody goes, oh, it's Halifax, it'll be Halifax. He went, no, no, I don't think so. So in order to find somebody that the opposition would want as well, the only choice was Churchill. Lord Halifax was a personal friend of the king. Yeah. That's basically what it was. And also there's this ongoing history that Churchill has buggered up over the years, over Gallipoli and other things. Yeah, a few He's, misdemeanors. You know, <laughs> yeah, and also he changed political parties, you know, for a few years and bounced back to the Tories. You know, he went to the Liberals and came back. So he, he was not consistent. He was not trusted at the time. You know, pretty much at the end of the war, but you know, he he lost the election anyway. Again, it was, yeah. it was, it was just the war years, wasn't it? But um, the the whole bit with the king, I think, is to do with Lord Halifax being a personal friend, which I wasn't aware of, and I don't know how true that is. I mean, I'm going to have to look into some of this, but <laughs> it touches on stuff that you want it to, but doesn't go into great depth. But yeah. it goes into great depth on stuff that you don't really want it to do. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Mm. And it, yeah, and it, this is where I sit on the fence with all this. You know, there's it's not there's a lot of loose ends. Yeah, he hints at things that it doesn't follow up. There's this bit that yeah, um, the the financial situation of the Churchills. Yeah, they're broke. Yeah, but then all that is is just the throwaway line that you know the wife says I'm frightened to write another check, and we don't hear it any more. Into a little love story. Yeah, but then we don't hear any more <laughs> of that, do we? We don't hear any more. No. <laughs> no. So, I don't know. I don't know what it was trying to achieve. I mean, it, it's still still quite rousing when you hear those speeches. There's no denying that. Um, it's just the whole historical accuracy of it. I think we've got problems with with this movie. It's a roller coaster film for mm, us. Okay. When it comes to that, I think because you, you get the speeches and it, it's it's back on track again, and all of a sudden they just go and do one little thing, like <laughs> incident, which we briefly discussed. Let's talk about it because that is the sticking point for most people. Mm. Uh, what it is, it's Churchill hints at this, doesn't he? he? Says I've never never ridden on an underground train before. Right at the beginning, throw away line. and straight away you know it's just going to happen. <laughs> And he ends up getting out of the car, doesn't he? And he, he he goes to the tube station, and he asks a young girl to you know how to get to Westminster because he doesn't know how to read a tube map or anything like that. And he's sitting on this tube train, which looked fantastic actually. That's set. it was very good. Yeah, that, that's the only sort of redeeming feature of this this particular scene is that tube looked brilliant to see, and the, and the tube station and all the, the yeah. beautiful decor around it. Yeah, to look, you know to get a nineteen forties. You know, really accurate sort of representation. The tubes had like lamps and, and curtains in them. It was brilliant. But there's this whole stomach churning scene. That's the only way I can describe it. This sickly sweet representation of what the filmmakers think the British public's opinion was at the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the only way I can describe it. Churchill's sitting there 
and he sort of uh, he asks for a match, and then somebody introduces themselves. And then somebody else, hello, I'm Mrs. Edna Smith. Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, Tommy, Tommy Boy Jones or whatever. You know, he then starts asking them, you know, the Parliament want me to negotiate peace. No, oh, no, and and the whole of the tube train are like, no, sir, we shall fight them. You know, we'll fight them in the streets and all this lot. And, and you can see why they've done it is to try and get what the filmmakers thought British you know, thoughts and, and sensibilities were at the time. Yeah, just a rile of reaction. But, but obviously that never happened. Of course it didn't. It never happened. I mean, today is the first time I've ever sort of come across that. I, I've never no, heard of that story. Never. It's a story that everyone would know. Yeah, never happened, mate. But it, it, it's just, you know, the director and the writer's way of, of just trying to say, right, how can we depict what the British were thinking? at this point in time. Let's forget the politicians. What were the British thinking? I know. Let's imagine that Churchill is talking to them in an everyday situation as they're going about their business. Let's pop him on a tube train. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it all means, mate. Yeah. and I, I think it was a, a big mistake on their part, personally. I think there may be something in the whole names thing. You know where he's, he's got the names on the matchbox where he's written them down? Yeah. Obviously, that never never happened. But I'm wondering if there was a speech somewhere along the line where he said, and I spoke to Mrs. Elsie Smith and a Mr. Tommy Boy Jones, blah, blah, blah. And they said to me, I'm, I'm wondering if he's used that in a speech somewhere. It, that just seems too much of a coincidence. I'm sure that was used. I'm going to have to try and find out if there was ever was a speech where he mentions like members of the public and, and their opinions. They, they could have done it so much better with like a cutaway to like a, a London pub. Yeah. Really. Like they did in Dunkirk when everyone's having a chat about it. That See, we thought that was one of the best scenes in Dunkirk, didn't we? Where yeah. uh, Victor Madden comes in and he has a right old guy at Bernard Lee and Richard Attenborough, doesn't he? And says like, you don't know what's going on over there and all that sort of thing. Yeah, that yeah. would have been so much better if they did that. But no, they had to go and make up this load of crap and that really did sort of ruin it for me I'll tell you what you want to do mate if you want a good depiction of what was going on at the home front it's a bit light hearted in places but a few months ago Stephen and I reviewed Hope and Glory which is a child's view of what was going on during the Blitz and it's brilliant absolutely fantastic film John Borman film and you know for that sort of thing the home front depiction is, is a great movie to, to take a look at, mate. We're not going to dwell too much on this movie. I think the general sort of feeling amongst me and you is that it looks good. It, it, for the budget, it, it should look good. Um, it did look good. Yeah. The um, the acting was good. Gary Oldman, yeah, I mean, <laughs> fighting for the Oscar from the minute he opens his mouth in this movie. <laughs> but he was, wasn't it? Come on, this was, yeah. this was an Oscar bait performance. This was designed. It's, it's a bit like a Daniel Day-Lewis playing whatever character he normally plays sort of thing. The script lets it down sensationally. Yeah. For those that know their history. For those that don't know their history and just want to be entertained, you can't take it away. It's just an entertaining movie in that respect, I'm, I'm going to say. Uh, just disappointing for me and you, I think. Yeah, I am disappointed. Mm. I, I, I would watch it again. And I probably will. Yeah. But yeah, our first watch, I was quite disappointed with it, to be, to be honest. If you were to give it rating, what would you want to do? Do you want to do it at 10 or do you want to do it at your five stars? We'll, we'll do it out of five. I think five works better for us. It has more of an impact with the people. Yeah. 
um, not that tube scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'd be a two. That's that's low, yeah. It is low, and the two stars is literally on the props, and um, the well, yeah, it literally is the props. I, I can't give it much more than that. <laughs> the attention to detail sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you can't give any stars for the speeches and what the actual facts of the matter, because that's just, that's just history. But, um, yeah... <laughs> It's that low for me, I'm afraid. Yeah, I, I mean, want it to be more. It's a shame, isn't it? Because when I saw it at the cinema, seeing it at the big screen, and you come away all sort of, yeah, that was that was great. And then when I came away and sort of thought about it, and then sort of spoke to to Charlie and other people's comments have come across online, I sort of realised that no, perhaps this isn't as good as I remembered it. Mm. And, and watching it this time, you know, if I came out of the cinema, I probably would have rated it in my head like four stars. You know, yeah, it's yeah, a four-star movie, brilliant because the big screen effect as well. You know, you always sort of get that. Watching it, Blu-ray last night, you know, just on the TV. I'm, I'm watching for things this time because I know what the flaws are, and it's horrible to say that I was picking holes in it deliberately, and, yeah, and not enjoying it. I think don't don't get us wrong. I mean, I'll give it three stars anyway because. I'm, I'm quite generous with you know my my movie ratings. <laughs> I'm scathing. I'm, I'm, I'm quite forgiving. Charlie always says I was quite forgiving. I'm still not going to say to everybody, don't watch this movie. I think it would, no, it would no, appeal to it. certain people. Certain people will love it. Yeah. And for me, it's it's not a horrendously bad movie, and I will watch it again. Um, yeah, I'd watch it again. It's not horrendously bad. It just for me, it lets itself down in so many places. Mm. But I don't know if I was expecting too much from it. I wanted it to be a four, possibly five star movie because of all the hype around it I was at the time. Going to say with um, Gary Oldman winning the Oscars, you must have been like, "Oh yeah, that's going to be fantastic." Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm surprised I've not watched it before. And to be honest, been hanging about, hasn't it, for a while? Because we've mentioned it a couple of times. And Dunkirk, I think we sort of said, no, "Now's your chance to." It was inevitably going to happen, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm glad we've spoke about it. I mean, for, for a fact that we've we've chose a very new movie to review on the show. Mm. And it also proves the fact that we don't like everything we review on this show as well. No. I like it sometimes that if we disagree as well, if I'd have gone into this hating it and you loved it, that would have really created a great conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure that's going to happen very shortly. Yeah, one of us will be defending it to the hilt, you know, and the other one will be slagging it off. But sometimes it's, it's nice to think, well, actually... Not every film is great. You know, no. we, we tend to pick movies that we know and we love. From your point of view, you pick this going in blind, which is great. You know, so it's, you've gone in and you've literally watched it an hour or so ago. So it's your fresh opinion. And I, I think that's the best thing about me because I don't, I've not, I wasn't a movie person up until we started doing this as yeah, such. Yeah, that's true. I've not watched a lot of movies in my time. Um, I don't know it inside out like you do. Mm. So a lot of the stuff I do go in blind, and it's great because yeah. I learn a lot from it. It might, um, it might be interesting to find out, like if we we chat in a couple of weeks' time when you've had a bit of time to think about it, just see if your opinions change for better or worse. You might yeah. you might sit and think about this and go, well, actually, no, I really enjoyed that. I can overlook the little bits and pieces, and that was a bloody great film. Or you could come back to me in a couple of weeks and say, do you know what, we were right, Scott. It's a big old pile of what's it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, do, do, seriously, people, do watch it. it. It's it's not terrible by a long shot. You might find yourself getting angry if you know a little bit of history. <laughs> that, that's the problem. 
that's the problem. When yeah. you know how it actually all, obviously I weren't there, but it's very, very well documented. Yeah. Um, and there's no denying that. You, you can't, you, you can't have poetic license on it, I'm afraid. No. And, and that's their biggest downfall. Yeah. Well, there you go. That that I enjoyed that. That's a great way of uh, of tying that one up. Right, that's the darkest hour, two thousand seventeen. Tell you what, mate. Should we take a short break? Let's have a short break and cool down, and we'll come back. <laughs> find <laughs> out, refresh. Find out what we're watching next time after this. Okay, Tony, next time we get together, we alternate usually, don't we, saying I pick a movie, you choose a film for, to review. Yeah. But we had so much fun catching up with the Carry On movies when we reviewed Carry On Teacher a couple of episodes back. And we're so, so behind on reviewing them as well. We're only on number two. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely guaranteed a space for the next five or six years to get through all the stuff that we've yeah. started. <laughs> and also, we, we, we want to watch another carry-on. So we said, oh, sod it, let's just do the next one. So the next time we get together, we're, we're, we're rapidly advancing into the 60s now. It's 1960. It's carry-on constable. Notable for the first one with Sid James. Yes. Uh, and the becoming regular carry-on team in here, um, a few faces will drop out after this, a few will turn up, as we've sort of discussed before. It's a favourite of yours, if I remember right, isn't it, Constable? It is up there. It is yeah, on the top tier. Yeah, so I haven't seen it for a little while. Um, it's, it's middle ground for me, if I remember rightly. But, we're, you know, opinions might change. You know, it might turn. They into, may. It might turn into the darkest hour. I could hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and next time, ladies and gentlemen, that is when we'll, me and Scott will both be at loggerheads. Could over you imagine that? If, if I started slagging off Carry On Constable, <laughs> you'd never forgive me, mate. It's, it's it's got an instant three stars because it's got Kenneth Williams and Sid James in it for a start, mate. You know, two of my favourite actors. <laughs> it's, it's the beginning of the dream team, isn't it? It is. The golden, the golden era. We've still got about four or five to go, I think. But it's, it's getting... And you've got Cabbie in the middle of there as well. Don't worry, we'll talk about all this next time. Well, I'm not going to apologise for The Darkest Hour. Uh, no. One, because I think people may enjoy it. And two, you chose it and not me. So there's no reason for me to apologise. <laughs> <laughs> we know we're going to have a bit more fun with Carry On Constable I'm looking forward to that Tony, thank you for being there again today mate It's been an absolute pleasure Thank you for having me again It's becoming more regular, thanks That's to the lockdown Back back on track well, you know, Something's good's come out of it which is <laughs> <laughs> A miracle A miracle, plenty more to come mate Tom, take care, see you soon mate Yes, thank you, stay safe everyone Absolute shah A Bon voyage. Good luck. Thank you.
bring the British end up, sir. Ha, ha, ha.